Welcome to the MSEC Podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. My name is Susan Sellers, and I will be your host for today. Speaking of hosts, joining me is going to be Jasmine. She's actually going to be our guest host during April in celebration of Month of the Military Child. Jasmine, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's a very big honor. Well, it is truly my pleasure. I'm excited to have you take over the show for April. And I just want to kind of, though, chat with you for a little bit about yourself and some of your experiences as a great way to kick off this Purple Up series. So for our listeners, would you mind just sharing a little bit about yourself? Yeah, of course. I'm a 16-year-old sophomore currently attending Randolph High School on the outskirts of San Antonio, Texas. I have lived here for around a year and a half and moved from England. I have lived overseas half of my life for about seven years in Japan and England, but I am originally from San Diego, California, and that's where I call home for me. I was born on Camp Pendleton when my dad was in the Marines, and now my mom is in the Air Force. Wow, you're like a lot of military kids. A little bit of you is all over the place from England to Camp Pendleton. And I'm sure that sort of factored into your decision of who we wanted to have on this month. You as the guest host got to pick the theme for the month. So what did you decide to focus on and why? So the focus that I chose to have on this podcast for the month of April is to have strong female individuals share their stories and express themselves about the challenges they have overcome are still overcoming. And in the military community, there's a lot of struggles for females and for people in general to um, be more, be stable and to find those resources that they may need that the military does provide. And it's very important to me because us females, we don't have our story out as much. And I think it would be a really cool insight to have them personally tell their story to our listeners. Well, you know, the hashtag for this podcast is live a great story. So I'm excited to hear um, some of the guests that are going to come on and what they have to share. What were some of the topics that you wanted to spotlight for month of the military child? So for some of um, the topics I chose was transition. So some uh, people struggle with transitioning to different places and moving. And that can be a very big challenge for us military children. And another one was transitioning out of the military. So giving up your ID and finding an identity that you may not know who am I if I'm not a military child. Another topic that I chose to focus on is anxiety and depression. Anxiety and depression is a really important topic to me because personally I have and still are struggling with my anxiety and in the past I struggled with depression and a lot of teens in our military community and teens in general are struggling with this and I want them to know that they are not alone because I want others to use the resources they have around them that the military provides for military children um, to adapt to their place easier and help them really guide them into their new transition. 
Well, I think these are all really relatable topics for any military connected student. And I appreciate your candor about the topic of anxiety and depression. And I'd like to explore that a little bit more if it's okay with you. When did you start experiencing symptoms of anxiety? At a very young age, I have experienced these symptoms of anxiety. My symptoms of anxiety would be from making friends from different places and having trouble with transition and school and all these different things, pleasing everybody around me. All of these things piled on top of each other's like books, just weighing on my back and the anxiety would really get to me. I would have anxiety attacks and it would be something that is a burden on me and my life that I couldn't run away from. And currently I'm still struggling with my anxiety and I'm getting help for it and I want others to get help too. So Jasmine, you mentioned a few of the triggers for your anxiety, such as struggling to make friends, pleasing people, always trying to be that perfect person, which in today's society is uh, unfortunately a pressure I think so many of us can experience. I'm wondering, being a military-connected teen, did that play a part or have an impact, do you think, on your experience with anxiety and depression? Definitely. I think it probably was the biggest thing that made my anxiety and depression escalate over the years. Moving from being overseas for half of my life was very difficult because the last time I was in the United States was when I was eight years old. And coming to stateside and coming to where everybody's grown up with each other and has always oh, I've known this person since kindergarten or they're my next door neighbor. Like, it's really difficult because you are brand new. You are trying to adapt to this new environment that I wasn't even uh, surrounded in my childhood, which was really, really difficult for me. And I went to three different high schools before I found the high school I was going to stay at till I graduate. So it was a very difficult transition for me. And that very much played a role in my anxiety and depression since coming to the States. So at what point, though, did you recognize that you needed help? So when I was struggling with depression, I knew that I needed help. But for me, at least my parents and my family are very loving and kind and supportive and have always been there for me. And I felt very selfish to have these feelings that, I feel so hateful in my heart and I'm depressed and I felt very guilty to have these feelings because I have such a great life. Why should I be sad? Why should I have these feelings? And once I did have these feelings and when I had these um, like depression and thoughts and these negative um, self-talk that I was giving myself, I knew that I needed to seek out and reach help. Wow, what you just shared was really powerful for me because oftentimes people, you know, they do suffer in silence for a lot of different reasons. And I think you bring up an interesting perspective that I had never considered before, you know, the guilt of I have a great life, you know, I have a family that's supporting me. Why do I have these feelings? Why should I share these feelings? Because I don't understand why I'm having them. Everything in my environment doesn't support having depression and anxiety. So that really sticks with me right now, I have to be honest. So what was one of the first steps you did, though, in terms of seeking support? 
yeah, the, one of the first steps that I did to seek support was actually talking to my parents. Um, I know this can be a difficult subject to talk about with people. And for me, it was one of the most difficult times in my life to openly talk about this with somebody. And when I talked to my parents about it, they're very shocked because they've known I've always struggled with anxiety, but not with depression. And I didn't want them to be hurt. I felt like they've given me so much. I don't want to hurt them, even though I'm struggling on the inside. And it's something that it took me a lot of time to come forward and to be uh, truthful with my words and be truthful with yourself that you do feel this way and it's okay to feel this way. And when you tell the people you feel better and you will get help if you tell somebody, you just need to ask for that help, even though it may be difficult to ask for it. Well, I think it's incredibly brave of you. Certainly taking that first step can be scary. You don't know how your parents are going to react or whomever you're electing to share this with, how they're going to react. In your case, your parents were very supportive and helped you to find the right treatment and resources that you could utilize. And what were some of those that you found helpful? So to the resources that I used for my anxiety and depression, was going to therapy and being very open with my therapist and also taking medication that my doctor prescribed me. Therapy is something that is normal and I feel that people should be very open about um, with your therapist, somewhere you can seek comfort and someone you can talk to besides your parents if you don't feel comfortable in that type of way. Um, I definitely understand on that level, it was difficult for me to talk to somebody that I don't particularly know and it was just very difficult with my trust issues, with people that I don't know and telling them that I'm struggling because I don't want other people to be hurt. And talking to a therapist is something that I definitely recommend. Some people that are not even struggling and just need somebody to talk to all the time, have therapists there to talk to and express your emotions to them. In addition to um, going through therapy and taking my medication and all these things, I actually uh, dived pretty deeply in my faith. So I'm a born and raised Christian, and I believe that Jesus Christ is why I'm alive. And I feel as though it comforts me in my times of worry and my times of when I'm in I have anxiety because I feel comforted by the things that I believe in. And you may have different beliefs and you maybe feel more comforted in those things. And it calms me down sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I read my Bible and I feel comforted by the things that, that are my beliefs. And you may feel comforted by your beliefs or your religion. I think you summed it up really well. And the point is to find that source of comfort for you in terms of whatever that looks like. Well, in some schools, they have what's called an MFLAC or military family life consultant. Have you been able to utilize that as a resource or do they have those there in your school district? They do provide MFLACs and MFLACs are everywhere. So when I was actually overseas in Japan and in England, they did provide MFLACs. So I currently do have an MFLAC that I talk to at school that is there for me when I'm struggling or just having a hard day and want to talk to. Well, it's really nice to hear that you've you've taken advantage of that because I know you know, having them there in the school, that accessibility can hopefully help students to 
take advantage of that opportunity to meet with somebody and to discuss those problems. And you bring up an interesting point about trust and the difficulty of talking to somebody about your challenges or your negative thoughts, and you don't really even know them. But how could that be positive, though? I think it's a positive thing to share your your thoughts and your feelings with somebody like a therapist, because when you do have your feelings out, you really can look at how you are feeling and look at the emotions that you're having and how you can make those feelings positive. And they help you, um, the therapist, when you're being told, oh, it sounds like you're very sad, or it sounds like you're very frustrated. Then you can be like, I am, or you can work through these things with that person and they're there for you. Well, and I think you bring up a great perspective is that it gives you somebody to talk things through and maybe it's somebody that's not necessarily caught up in the emotional element of it. My godson, he experiences anxiety and situational depression and, you know, I worry about him all the time. So I constantly find myself asking, are you okay? How are you doing today? Because I want to show that I'm trying to be supportive, but sometimes I feel like maybe I'm just stressing him out even more. What are your thoughts about that? So for me personally, um, when my parents would, because they were very concerned about me with my depression and like, oh, is she going to hurt herself? Is she, I don't know how she's feeling maybe because I'm not inside of her mind. I, I don't know what's going on. I'm not Jasmine. So asking me constantly, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Just reminded me that, oh, I do. I feel like I have a problem with me. I feel like there's something wrong with me when I am having a good feeling. So when I am happy, when I'm smiling, they ask me that question, are you okay? It just brings back the sad feeling of when I am not okay. And I personally would recommend for parents out there or friends out there that do have somebody that is struggling, I would say to personally ask them what they need from you. Maybe they do need you to ask them all the time, are you okay? Are you fine? Do you need help? Do you want this? And some people do need that. For me personally, it just brought bad these negative thoughts that I was having when it was in a good situation and just made me feel like I had a problem. But some people do need to be asked, are you okay? Because they need that type of support to be very, very hands-on or hovering over that person just for their mental sake. I appreciate that feedback. It gives me something to think about. You know, I had never considered that perspective before. So in terms of parents or even friends that are trying to support someone that is struggling with some anxiety or depression, what else would you recommend or what else would you want to share from your perspective? Other things I would say is that if you do have a friend that is struggling with depression and their parents don't know or you don't know what to really say to them, I would say be there for them and really listen to what they have to say because they know themselves better than anybody else. If they need a hug all the time or they need this or they really need you to reach out to an MFLAC or somebody, I would say really listen to them because they may need more help than you think, or they may need a little help, but it may change their emotions. So Jasmine, during our planning session, you said something that's really, it's really stuck with me. And I, I wanted to kind of unpack it a little bit. You shared with me that 
when someone makes the statement, particularly teenagers, I want to die, that that actually has a lot of different meanings, a lot of different connotations. What do you mean by that? Okay, so when a, a teen says, I want to die, some teens may be, I want to die may mean, I want to leave this room. I want to run away. I want to, they might want to do a lot of different things besides like actually kill themselves. They may, it's very different for each person, to be honest. For me, if I said, I want to die, I would probably want to leave the room. It's very different because some people's depression may be on a different level or they're, they won't know how to specifically express their emotions and saying, I want to die may make other people scared or worried more about them, but they really need to sit down with that person and say, like, how are you really feeling? It's really different for every single person and wanting to die and wanting to run away are very different things. And you should really look out for the person that you may be concerned about and ask that person what they really, really need. It sounds to me like you're saying, instead of reacting to what they're saying, actually diving deeper and, and looking for what they need, because certainly my child shared that statement with me, I would immediately take it in one context when it could actually be meant as something else. But as parents, you know, we struggle with talking about mental health to our kids sometimes, particularly because in our culture, there's a stigma related to it. People are not always as open about their mental health challenges. And I'm certainly familiar with the stigma surrounding mental health through family experiences myself. So is that one of the reasons why you want to talk about it and you feel the need to share your journey with anxiety? Definitely. I think that my personal experience is a very big reason why I would like to talk about this subject because I know a lot of people that do struggle with anxiety and depression and having this subject be normalized and be something that we can openly talk about our mental health and not having a good mental health or having a great mental health. Either way, it should be a normalized thing. And I want people to listen to this podcast and really feel comforted and have some advice to go off of in their daily life if they do know somebody that is struggling. And it is very important for me because a lot of teens do struggle with this and I want them to know that they're not alone and that there's a lot of resources out there, even if you are not a military child. I agree with you. There are a lot of resources in there and taking that step and talking to someone for our listeners that are military kids and they're experiencing anxiety and depression, what advice would you give them? I would say probably the first thing for advice is making sure that you have told somebody about your feelings. Your feelings may not even be that deep. My depression is not that deep or my anxiety is not that deep. But even telling somebody about how you feel at that moment, it was very important because your anxiety or your depression could escalate over the time. And you have that person to have your back and be able to come back to them like, remember that time I told you about my anxiety or my depression? Well, right now I really need you. I'm really struggling right now. Um, I want to talk to a therapist. Can you please set it up? Because you have that person to rely on. You have that person to really lean on and to help you and guide you. And well, and then for teens that maybe have a friend in this particular situation, what advice would you 
suggest to them? So for people who have friends that are struggling with mental health situations, maybe anxiety or depression or both, I would say to be really be there for your friend, like I said, to ask them what they need and to really be open with them. If they want to talk about it, I would say, ask them if, are you comfortable? If you want to talk about it, I'm here for you. Would you need anything? It's really depends on the person, their anxiety or their depression or their other mental health situation may be different as somebody else. As somebody that does struggle with anxiety and depression, I would say that for my friends, I didn't want to talk to them about my anxiety and depression. It's different for every person. I didn't want to talk to my friends about it because I wanted to come to my friends and I wanted to for them to react normally to me, not to be like I'm a sick patient or something. And I think you, you sort of highlighted those that are struggling may not want to share because they're feeling like they're going to be judged or they're going to be treated differently. And in reality, that's the last thing they want. They just need validation of their feelings and then resources and supports that can help them, you know, such as coping skills or having talk therapy. So for our teams, though, I guess I wonder how do they get to the point where you are now, where you're comfortable sharing your story? So to get to the point that I currently am, I'm going to say first that I am not perfect. I am not a fully recovered or whatever you may think that I am. I am not that. I am somebody that is currently still struggling with anxiety and I am working through a little bit of depression right now. I am not as bad as I used to be with my negative mental health state and what got me through it is keeping up with my therapy appointments and keeping up with being open with my parents. Honestly, it takes time. You're not going to feel better after one therapy session or five therapies. Maybe you will. It depends on every single person. But for me, it wasn't. It took many years and it took a lot of hard work. I want to get better. I want to feel 100%. You're not always going to feel like 100%. You're not always going to be perfect because nobody's perfect. And I want you to know that it really takes time and that if you want your mental health to get better, you really got to stick to your therapy or you got to stick to having that person to talk to because it's not going to get better if you just stay alone in your room. It's really difficult for me to say something and maybe it's not your time to say something. Maybe you want to wait a little bit longer and I support that. If you want to write something down and not to actually verbally tell somebody, maybe you want to write it in a paper and then fold it up and say, hey, I'm going to give this to you because you don't feel comfortable verbally coming out and telling your struggles. I think that's a great option, you know, particularly maybe those that are struggling to find the words or, as you said, that are not comfortable to take that first step. Do it in a different way, writing it out, writing a letter. That way you're still communicating what you're going through. And you had said something uh, to me offline I thought was really important as well, in addition to acknowledging that it's okay not to be okay. As you said, nobody's perfect. And so nobody goes through every day of life, sunshine and rainbows. There's going to be times where you are struggling and that's okay. But you had shared that it's always important to be your authentic self. What did you mean by that? Or can you expand on that a little bit? Yes. So what I meant by my authentic self, I meant that you really need to stay true to yourself. You can't please everybody. You can't 
be the perfect version of yourself, the perfect daughter. You can't put on a fake smile every day. You really can't. And by trying to be the best version of yourself is being your authentic self. Because I really believe that when I was struggling with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, I would still think in my mind, oh, everybody hates me or I don't like the way I dress and stuff like that. It was really important to me that I was staying true to myself because I don't want to go home and be like, oh, I hate putting a big smile. You really need to stay true to yourself and stay true to others. I'm really feeling sad right now or I'm really feeling happy. If I'm feeling happy, it's okay to feel happy. It's okay. It's not that I'm completely healed from my depression or I'm completely healed from my anxiety. It's just that I'm happy in that moment. And it's okay to be happy in that moment. It doesn't mean that you're fully healed. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be sad again. Well, I think that's such great advice, Jasmine, for, frankly, for any age, for teens, for children, for adults. And I have to say, I'm humbled by your willingness to be so transparent. I'm grateful that you're willing to talk about such a sensitive topic as this. And frankly, you know, it's a private struggle that you're willing to be open about to help others. And so I really do appreciate your willingness to come on and to talk about this. And as we wrap up, is there you know, anything else you'd want to share or anything else that we haven't covered? Um, I would just say to those teens out there that are struggling and may not have the words or may not um, be ready to come out and tell somebody, I would say to write out your feelings. I did that for a while. I would get a journal and I would just write out my feelings and then put my notebook in a private personal area and I would review it and be like, wow, I really feel this way. And when I was ready to tell my parents, I came to them and I told them how I feel. And it really changed my perspective because I knew exactly how I was feeling. And it's okay to feel that way because everybody feels different every day and everybody may feel different multiple times a day. Having the program that I'm going through is really helpful and I'm learning new coping skills and interacting with kids that are also struggling and knowing that I am not alone. And I really want that message to go out there to everybody that's listening. Well, I do think it's important to explore all your options. And I like how you highlighted that in a sense, it's helping you to validate your feelings that you're working with teens your own age so that you have that level of relatability versus just talking to old people like me. So I think it's, it's important to consider all options. So I'm excited to join our listeners this month and hear from our other military connected kids. You've been listening to the MSEC podcast, the official podcast of the Military Child Education Coalition. Until next time, live a great story.